Hey everybody, welcome to the Soulful Eclectic. I am your host, Diana Collins, and I am welcoming you back. If this is the first time you're visiting, thank you so much for spending your time with me. I greatly appreciate you and the time that you're taking out to listen. And if this is the return visit, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out to spend with me. I truly appreciate each and every one of you. Um, Thank you so much for the outpouring of feedback that I've been getting. I really appreciate um, all the comments and the um, cheers and things like that. So just keep it coming, keep it coming. I appreciate you all. Um, so today's episode is actually another part of me having a conversation with um, my sister, my friend, Tiffany Lattimore. And on this one, we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about relationship um, and her struggles that she has been going through and also maybe a little bit about the grieving process as well and um, I don't want to give too much away about Tiffany and her story but um, it's definitely one that I want to share with the community because um, there are some poignant points in our conversation where you know there are some some pearls of wisdom some pearls of wisdom for all of us who are have are or have loved, lost, and grieved, and now are trying to put our lives back together and continue on our, our road to self and discovery. So with that, we get into the conversation with Tiffany Lattimore. With you, I understand that, I, I'm sure we've all been on our knees and things like that, but you've had some, and still continue to have some, bumps and pathway changes and journey halts and reevaluations and things. And you have one major one that none of us expected. No, not at all. Um, I think losing my wife by far has been one of the most detrimental, but yet enlightening experiences I've had, you know, and it's just interesting because, um, it just makes you look through life through a different lens. Mm. It's like you envision your future with someone, but then when they're gone, they take tomorrow with them. Yeah. So then you have to find yourself and then find what's next for you. Because that person that was the center of your world is no longer here. Then it's almost like, what's your purpose? And sometimes for people, it, it's problematic for them to conceptualize mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Because... It's like, well, how did somebody become the center of your world? I'm like, people do it all the time when they say, oh, my, I live for my children. So right. I don't think it's out of the norm to say that my wife had became the center of my life. Mm -hmm. We just moved in unison. She was like a twin flame, yes. you know. And so now it's like, what do we do? And so I think, you know, this quote, um, says it best, you know, you, I've woven a parachute out of everything that's been broken. Because mm -hmm. you, you still got to get up and try. You still have to find joy, mm -hmm. you know, whatever that looks like for you. Um, and it's, um, I think I understand her a little bit more in death in a way that I probably wouldn't be able to in life. Mm. You know, just finding the beauty in things, um, cherishing, you know, moments. Um Time is finite. We run around here like it's infinite. Right. Um, I'm not saying that I want to know exactly the day of the time <laughs> because I don't want to prepare to die. Right. I don't want to know 30 years from now on December 25th, 
that I'm going to die, but at the same time, no, but at the same time, I want to take advantage, um, not be so afraid, um, face, face fears, Mm -hmm. uh, experience life, you know, definitely. So that's been interesting. Um, now you said something that it says what it looks like for you and, and Mm-hmm. Right? Because it looks different for each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. It's like a fingerprint. Um, it's Everyone has one, but it's unique to the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, and I've even found myself dating again. And it's interesting because it will forever be uh, emotional, uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I remember, you know, and this is being very candid, just even intimacy it just speaks to the level of love and loyalty that I have for my wife because I initially felt guilty mm-hmm. about entertaining someone else's company. Um, or just how do you find the balancing act of honoring a past love but still making a new love so like they have a place? Yes. Um, you know, you don't want to diminish what was, but then at the same time, you don't want to have like this rose tinted spectacle glass that you're painting a picture of Mm -hmm. to make someone feel like that they could never measure up because you you believe it or not I've seen how someone could perceive that they had big shoes to to fill oh yeah even if you don't indirectly ask them you know you just constantly going on about what was Mm -hmm. so it's just an interesting dynamic um and establishing new routines and new things you know so it's definitely been an experience in itself I'm not sure where this will lead but it's just eye-opening I think it just just tells me a lot about me I still have a lot of love left absolutely Um, absolutely it it's that growth period that none of us expect right mm -hmm. um and it's I received some negative connotation about it too. Man. Um, I've had people inbox me and say, What's well, too soon? And I'm like, if you look at the grand spectrum of grief and if you could if you could even measure it, right. when was too soon? Because I feel like had I been a man I wouldn't have been ashamed. Like I've seen when someone's been married for a significant amount of time and Hell, they had the funeral and they showing up at the funeral with somebody. Yes. And everyone's like, oh, I'm glad you got you somebody because I know she wouldn't want you to be alone. Right. Yeah, here I am a whole year later entertaining someone's company and I'm told it's too soon. No. Yeah, so it's like I'm almost, I've been shamed, you know. Well, so I, that's been an interesting experience as well. I, I, I'm sure it, it it was, but that gives you a... Uh a look into the the individual that is is speaking it too. Oh yes, you have to consider your audience all the time. Always, right? <clears throat> consider your audience absolutely. And with that, I say, "Hmm. Okay. So how do you how what I I throw it back at them, right? So if something like this significant happened to you, how would you carry yourself day in day? Will you, you know, feel like you walk through the life depressed and lost and forever living in the shadow of what could have been what was. Yeah, and what was? No. I don't even think that's healthy. 
And it's not healthy. It's not. It's a, it's a spiraling set of emotions that um, will always end you back into that state of depression and, and continual grief. Um, and you are going to have that continued grief because that's a, a love you lost. Mm, absolutely. Um, it's, it's forever with you, but it doesn't mean that I have to stay there. Yeah. Um, I don't have to stay in it. And I think that's the difference. I think it's about movement. I think it's about, um, you know, uh, developing healthy coping mechanisms so that there isn't, uh, you're not stagnant. Yes. Healthy coping mechanisms. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and that looks different for everyone, you know, and it's no right way or wrong way to grieve, but I just think it's all about movement. And when you stop moving, that's when you get the deeper depressions. Yes. When you don't want to get out of bed, when you don't want to shower, when you don't want to eat. Yeah. When you don't have a purpose and then you withdraw. Mm. That's when it gets severe, you know. I mean, I can even say candidly that um with losing, you know, my wife first happened to me, um, just the, the series of events and how traumatic it was just to see someone in front of you, you know, going through the level of trauma that was experienced. And watching it and literally holding their hand and they took their their last breath. And then to be told that, you know, it's medical malpractice. I mean, I wanted to kill myself. Right. I mean, it's it's a maddening experience. And so I know that I'm not there. Mm -hmm. But it's a daily routine of things that I know that I need to do to not to stay out of that space. It's like I recommend it daily, like bathing. Whatever it is, you got to do it daily. Yes. It's an effort that you have to put forward just to constantly keep your yourself balanced. Mm-hmm. Because the emotional capacity is very, very limited. It really is. Um, I think out of 100% daily, grief takes about 75. Yes. So it doesn't lend me a lot of space for too much. But I've been managing. And I think in time, it'll lessen. Mm-hmm. you know but for the most part I've been able to keep myself so you know therapy I'm good friends um, I've started to get into activities that bring me joy and pleasure like I like to write mm-hmm. um, and it was good know, to hear um, that you finished your you're almost finished with your biography oh my gosh <laughs> yeah the little memoir um, yeah it's just interesting I think it'll be a good conversational piece um, it's um, going to be titled uh, all little girls song were pink. Oh, I like it. I like just a it. conversation piece to be had about just being masculine presenting how that has affected me and impacted me um, being a woman and then being of color and then those three dynamics and how they intersect. Right. Mm-hmm. So all of those things, because you know you're you're navigating a new normal when you experience that level of loss. Right. Things are not what they used to be. You are not who you used to be. You have changed. It changes you. So it's like rediscovering yourself. Mm-hmm. So in this rediscovery, what did you learn about you as you continue to discover? Because you again, this is a continued journey, and you're actually at the beginning of it and I don't care what anyone say you're you're at the beginning <laughs> mm-hmm. oh at the beginning in the grand scheme of it I mean, yes. a year and six months has been like a day it's exactly brief absolutely a day hours it mm-hmm. I mean 
Absolutely. I've learned that I need to definitely find joy within me. I think there was this assumption that it was a destination. Mm-hmm. I think we would have all purchased a ticket by now. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's not a destination. It's internal. And it's no one else's responsibility to make me happy. No. Thank you for saying that. We we often feel like that it's someone else's. Someone should be an addition. Yes. But it's no one's responsibility to make me happy. No. And um, in grief, I've learned that point. Because I'm like, when I'm feeling down... Mm-hmm. I have to learn how to manage my emotions mm-hmm. because no matter who I'm around, if I allow myself, I can still feel lonely. I can still feel all of these things, but it's nobody's responsibility to, you know, make me feel right and happy. Right. And that's important because even, even in the absence of grief, we're always looking for someone to, to make us happy. Externally. externally and it's like no we have to make ourselves happy that person is is there to compliment us absolutely in addition in addition right Mm -hmm. so i think that you know that's a perfect uh statement to make even um like i said in the absence of grief that's just it we have we're i'm responsible for my own happiness you're responsible for your own happiness your own joy so leaving that and having putting that in that in the responsibility of somebody else is not fair to that other person. No, it's an unrealistic expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, because people will disappoint you. Mm-hmm. No matter how genuine their intentions is, and no matter their placement in your life, so that's unrealistic to have that. So just learning more about me. I'm being transparent about my emotions. I'm dealing with trauma. Mm. When I tell you it's been an eye-opening experience to have therapy, I feel like, where have I been all this time in regards to not experiencing therapy sooner? Because I realize just as a black woman inherently in my own family, there's so much trauma that I've dealt with. It has just been passed down that ain't had shit to do with me. Mm-hmm. That we don't deal with. And so I'm like, wow, just, it's just interesting to, you know, address those things. Cause I'm like, I'm tired of walking around here carrying burdens for things that I had nothing to do with. Right. And, and that's, that's all of us. That is all of us. And, and I want to say that it really it's not it doesn't start with us we've all had a bucket of things that we we are carrying from generation to generation but for us as a black community gosh ours is so much heavier and we just bludgeon our our children and and grandchildren and with these burdens absolutely um so how um, sweeping things up under the rug yes. and not dealing with it, you gotta deal with your shit. And I feel like it manifests itself in ugly ways. Mm-hmm. Um, childhood traumas have a child uh, have an expiration date. Bottom line. And I feel like when you don't deal with things, you 
it just, I mean, whatever it is. And I'm not saying that because you may have been a victim of molestation or a victim of rape, that the grief of that and the trauma of that should end. It's more like, are you dealing with it? Are you addressing it? Right. Because, you know, and sometimes when you see outwardly someone that's been sexually assaulted as a child, it manifests itself in two ways. Either that person's very promiscuous or they're going to be a recluse. Right. And that's what I mean about they have an expiration date because we're not dealing with things. We're too busy sweeping stuff up under the rug because there's victim shaming. Yes. Yes. And we are so keen on not facing it and, and actually having that person deal with the abuser, especially when it comes to um, molestation and, and things like that within the family. How many... Absolutely. Or, um, like, I think about, you know, the absence of my father. I did not realize how much, even now, it still impacts me. Um, my mother never spoke anything negative about him, but Michael was an artist. And when I say artist, he was like the black version of Bob Ross in Minnesota. Wow. And so, of course, I naturally picked up his talents. Mm -hmm. But because of his absence, I would not nurture them. Mm. And then as a child, I didn't realize that, hey, that could have been the passion that I had been seeking. Mm -hmm. But I felt like anything that was a reflection of him, I didn't want to be anything like. So I indirectly cut my own nose off to spite my face, mm. not knowing. But I was a kid. Right. How do you process all of that, you know? And then we aren't lent the opportunity or space to even talk about it. Hey, it was probably for the best that you weren't around them. Mm, but that's still not letting me get out what I feel about his absence. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, sometimes there are things that happen in your life that you have to forgive without the benefit of an apology mm. for your own emotional survival. So where that's concerned, we're still working on that. Yeah. We're still working on that. You know what? That's a forever work in progress. Let's just put that out there. Okay? Because you're going to have peaks and valleys with that. Some days you're going to say, yeah, I can forgive. And then it's going to be a moment like, yeah, I can't. I can't let that go just yet. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. That's you processing and evaluating and your emotions and taking accountability of how you feel. Absolutely. And so now I've embraced the fact that, hey, I do have this artistic flair that can't be denied. Whether I've nurtured it or allowed myself to nurture it all these years, no. But it's there. And this is the, the source. This is the origin. And I shouldn't conflate the two. Right. Right. And I think that's what I had to learn. Yeah. And mm -hmm. learning this, right? And going through life, going through grief, going through this piece. Are you finding that you are taking in more of you, your authenticity, and bringing more of your authentic Absolutely. self out? because it was something that I was fighting. It's in me. I mean, I guess the best way to describe it is like I'll be a Renaissance woman, mm -hmm. you know, lover of the arts, poetry, theater, music. These are all things that were incorporated. These are a representation of, you know, my father, mm -hmm. you know. And so to deny myself those things isn't me being authentic to myself because I can't help it. There isn't a place that I haven't lived that I can't paint. Something freehand. Make my own art. Oh or, my gosh. You know, write writing. Writing poetry. You know, just anything. Just it, I, That's part of me. So, I just had to accept that, that, you know, those are some things that are a reflection of him. 
that I inherited, but it's okay. That doesn't mean I'm going to be a jerk like him. Right. (laughs) Right. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean that I'm going to be who he was. Exactly. But of course, when you're hurt and you know that they're not around, it's just like you don't want to be anything like them, Mm -hmm. good or bad. And and that's the part that I had to work through. So, but yeah, it's in me. Oh, it's in me. Oh, music, man. It's like air for me. Oh, wow. And that's the mm-hmm. beautiful, and what it is, I my dad says this all the time. He's, he's a crackpot. <laughs> he says, um, he's, he, he, he would just look at me and, and he'll say, I gave you all the best of me. Look at you. <laughs> I'm like, dude, what's wow. wrong with you? He's like, everything. He said, he says, I, I, I really did. Everything that is good about me, he said, is poured into you. And he said, you just elevated it all. And I was like, okay. I, I was in tears by that point. It's like, okay, dad, just please stop. Wow. Just please stop. So when you said that, I, I that's what came to mind. Because even in the worst of situations, and my dad wasn't always there. He, you know, he had his own issues too. Um, but him saying that was like, wow, that is a great way to look at all of that because, you know, he, he acknowledged I'm, I wasn't the greatest person, father, you know, your mother knew that, but she never hated me. She just kind of let me do my thing and left me alone. He said, but you got all the best pieces of me. And he said, you left me with the junk where I can just be a jerk. Mm. <laughs> Right? right, you didn't. You don't have those pieces. So when you said that out, that that's what it brought to mind. Like you don't have those dirty little pieces of your dad, mm. but what he Absolutely. gave you was all of that magical being and created creativity. That's what Absolutely. he gave you. So yeah, you you got the best parts of your dad. Mm. <laughs> You know, you left him with all the jerky parts. Absolutely. And you're taking the best parts. And now that you've come to that realization, now is your time to elevate those parts and make those parts work. COVID has definitely, you know, taught me to tap into those things that brought me pleasure as a child. Because it used to be a point in time, you know, there wasn't Facebook when I was coming up. I mean, I'm a millennial and everything, but <laughs> it was interesting because there was no YouTube. You, you, We sat around with each other and played music. So, you know, I used to be able to play the guitar and the piano by ear. wouldn't be able to read a, read a lick of music. Wow. And so it's like now, hey, why not take the opportunity to dust off some of these instruments and, you know, get back to those spaces? Yes. You know? mm-hmm. Oh, man, I'm so jealous. I wanted to pick up an instrument. And, and, and learn how to play something. I can't play a, a lick of anything. Really? Oh, man. Well, I'll tell you what. What is it? What is an instrument, if you could right now, have it in your possession? A acoustic guitar. Go to a pawn shop. Get an acoustic guitar and get on YouTube. Okay. You don't have to know how to read music. They will literally tell you where to put your fingers. But with anything, it's about practice, right? Right. So at first, you're going to be rusty. Just like when you started driving. Did you? No, exactly. Could you just stay in the lines when you first started driving? <laughs> Hell now, no. Now, we can put on makeup, drive what I need, eat a whole burger. Get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But because look how long you've been driving. 
Right. They don't look at it as practice. So this is the thing. Go to a pawn shop, get you one of them used instruments, and and just start. How do I even tune it? What does it sound like? They got apps. You can yeah. tune from your phone. You know, and it's funny you say that because I actually watched Danny do it. He he at, he bought a bass guitar, electric bass, two of them. Good Lord in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> and I he, can't wait to get my hands on one of those. Oh, man. And they're beautiful. Uh, he bought, uh, what's that? It's a uh, PlayStation it game, Rockstar. Hmm? Six strings or 12 strings. So He got a six string. Four. He got okay. a four and a six. Okay. So, um. He uh, bought Rockstar, I think, is the the, the game for PlayStation, mm-hmm. and so he's been teaching himself how to play using Rockstar. I tried, and it doesn't work for me. So I I I just it's like well, okay, the, the game is a little different. They literally have more layman tutorials on. It. You can put bass guitars for beginner, and you'll literally have somebody say, "Put your finger here, <laughs> put your finger here." Now stroke. <laughs> this is the note of see and this is what it sounds like yeah that's what that's that's what i need so i i, I am i there there actually was um a guitar that i i saw at a music pawn shop it was a yeah go for it luna mm-hmm. uh, it was a purple luna and uh i was like i want that guitar so he's in he kept saying you're not gonna play what do you got you don't have time to play because i really didn't and still don't um, because my schedule is so busy. <clears throat> Absolutely. So he's like, you, you, you don't want it like my art, my painting. I, I, I love to paint, you know? So when you said you paint, you you know, you got this skill. It's like, damn the bad luck. Right. <laughs> hey, make you a little dojo where you just got your own little space. And you have all of those things in there when you do want to go in there. Uh, your sanctuary. Why not? Yes. So these are all things that I'm, you know, saying that I'm encouraging. You know, everyone has something that they're good at or that they could potentially be good at, you know, or that brings them pleasure. And I think that's what it's about, mm-hmm. finding joy. It's internal. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. Th- thank you for that. That was, uh, that. that's all inspiring right there. Honestly, it, I, like I said, the conversations we've had, I, I've taken mm-hmm. something away from it. I got up this morning and ran, damn it, look. <laughs> Hey, I'm glad I was able to inspire. You know, not that I got up and ran. I live vicariously for you. <laughs> you got up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm mm-hmm. telling you. I had an old guy tell me it's always better to be seen and not viewed. They go view bodies. That's right. They don't go see the body. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm glad you got up. So that's 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 it right there. So mm-hmm. you know, so that that's it, and and that's all we all aspire to do is just be seen, right? Get up and be mm-hmm. seen. And with you getting up and getting back on the horse of, you know, relationships and life, that's you being seen. That's you um, seeing yourself. Absolutely. I don't think um, life was meant to be lived without obstacles or uh, struggle or triumph or even tragedy. I just think it's about how you navigate them. Mm. I think it's about what you do with the cards that you've been dealt Um you, you know, um, I, I think there is a, a false ideal that life is supposed to be lived without struggle. Hmm. And you're setting yourself up when you think and have that kind of mentality. Things will happen. Yes. It's just how you navigate them once they do. Yes. 
You know, I, I you got to ride the wave. Absolutely. I mean, sometimes it's a hell of a wave. Oh, man. But and you got to ride it. You got to learn how to ride it. Yes. You know, and once in a while you may get that damn tsunami that floods you over. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that's what we're all experiencing right now with the pandemic. Yes. That's... It has affected so many things in unprecedented ways, mentally, emotionally, financially. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever you were struggling with internally, it is equally felt externally. And it's compounded. Mm-hmm. So this you is know, our so this tsunami. this is definitely a test for many. Yes. This is our tsunami. And what you do with it and how you come up out of the water um, will be your testimony. Absolutely. Because not everyone drowns in a tsunami. Is whether you give not up. Not everyone. Right? Mm-hmm. Is whether you give up that fight while you're in that wave that makes the difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a choice. Yeah. It's a choice. And... I love that you chose to live life. Yeah, because to go somewhere uncharted and nobody died and came back and really said what's going on, regardless of your faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think with knowing Kina and the love that we share, I remember, remember a conversation we had. We had went to a funeral of a mutual friend of ours a year prior to her passing and we were watching the widow and how you know there was a lot of disdain with the family and they didn't particularly care for the lifestyle and gave the, the, the widow hell mm-hmm. and I remember coming home and crying and I said babe I don't know what I would do without you in my life Kina looked at me and she said live mm. wow and then a year later I'm at her funeral damn live that's powerful that she told you right then and there what the hell you was going to do so even now you know that statement brings tears to my eyes but it's it's good tears yeah I, I mean I yeah I felt that yeah mm. it, it the irony of the statement yes <laughs> Spoken a yeah. year prior. Wow. Wow. And I tell you. Mm, yeah. It's a doozy. Absolutely. It's oh, a doozy. Yeah, yeah, it's, a <laughs> it's a doozy. Oh, yeah, like I said, I'm still learning. I'm yeah. Learning I think that's what it's about, too. Just learning. Continuing to grow and learn. And evolve. And definitely not the Tiffany I was prior to the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's not a bad thing because it doesn't mean you were, you know, this terrible person or, you know, you had a lot of issues there and, you know, whatever. It just means that you're improving as you, you, you move on. As we all should. We all should be evolving. We all should be changing on some level because if you stay the and same. Growing, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. I don't want to be stagnant. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You know, I don't want to be content. Cause nope. that, that's and I you... think about like my growth is in general like you know somebody always says well if you had any age what age would you go back to Mm-mm, I'm 20s with hell uh uh-uh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying 
<laughs> Teenage years was okay. But them 20s, no. 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 We still in the 30s. Yeah. I was like, I'm happy. Closing up a decade. I'll be 40 next year. So mm-hmm. it's like, mm-mm. No. 30s have just been interesting. Um, Even with the grief of her, I would do the 30s again so far. Mm-hmm. But them 20s, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. Just a lot of uncertainty. I'm sure myself, I wasn't comfortable in my skin. Yes. Um, It was like, no. Because when you live in... And you're not you're not confident in yourself. Mm-mm. This world is so cruel that it would eat you alive. Oh. It, this is the place to be hypersensitive. Yes, and and I think about that. You know that question. Where would I be? Mm, I'll I'll keep. You know what? Funny enough, forties was my my year. Oh. Um, honestly, forty. I would definitely stay at that that age. Be you know. Because that is um, that that epiphany, that growth, that's that aha moment in my life. Right. You know, that was the, I mean, God, my ex was cheating on me. um, And damn, it was my birthday. She forgot my birthday. Didn't even know how freaking old I was. And we've been, yeah, it was a hot damn mess. And right. <laughs> it was a hot damn mess. But that was the moment that I, I, I had to think about me. And we talked about not putting your happiness in someone else's hands. Mm-mm. It's not their responsibility. It's not their responsibility. And that's what I was doing. I was giving somebody else that responsibility to make me happy. So... 40s was a great time for me. I was living, I was doing all the things that I wanted to do, just kind of taking an account of who I am. And that's where I started being my authentic self. So I take 40. <laughs> I take 40. And I think it has to be, you know, it's a different times for everybody. I don't right. know what 40 holds for me. I haven't been there. my age. I haven't been there. Right. Right. And who knows? You get to 40, you'd be like, yeah, I like this one better. <laughs> Right. You know, Absolutely. 45, 50. I like this one better. So it all is different on where that person is in their life and the journey that got them to that point to ask that question, to make that. So it's going to look different. Like we said, for everybody, grief looks different. Living life looks different. Happiness looks different for each and everyone. We have our own blueprint. Yeah, each stage. I'm telling you, it's, it's just interesting how we've all evolved over you know, the time. So hopefully, you know, I continue to evolve because, whoo, honey. Yes. I'm just interested in seeing, you know, what Tiffany's going to look like at 40. Man, listen, I, I'm like looking and waiting. I'm like, I'm, I'm waiting for the pictures. I'm waiting for the books. I'm waiting for everything. I'm like, okay, when, when what you going to do now? <laughs> okay, absolutely. Just when you blow up, don't forget about a sister, okay? Ain't nobody gonna blow up. <laughs> oh, stop it, please! You, you gotta put it um, out there. You gotta put it out there in well, some yes. form of fashion. Life, uh, what they say, life and death is in the power of the tongue, and I do believe that is absolutely true. So. Right. So no matter, and, and blowing up looks different for everybody. Blowing up don't mean you got to be out in the limelight or anything like that. No, not at all. But um, yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Okay, because you know, hey. People look at me and say, I'm blowing up. I'm like, who the hell are you talking about? Hell no, I ain't. <laughs> I'm on that PhD, dog. And you're going to demand that they call you that. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> you better believe it too. <laughs> but you better believe it. But yeah, so it's 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 just those things and you know, you you have um speaking from an intuitive part of who I am. Um there's just something that's in you that's waiting to just come out and from me knowing you from me knowing Kina mm-hmm. as I told you there was just something that gravitated me to her and then meeting you it's like oh okay this is a, yeah I see where this is going alright yeah she definitely was my twin flame I'm yeah uh, an experience that I can't even explain. It's and it's definitely been a void, yeah, know, with her absence. But it's just like, ooh, it just defied description. Yes, yes, and mm-hmm. um, it's power. Like even it is, and even at her funeral, it was crazy because just to have so many people articulate, you know, the unconditional love that was shared between us, it was like. You it felt was like it. so overwhelming. Like, I couldn't even receive it all. And mm-hmm. the fact that people are still reaching out, you know, a year and a half later. Yes. Just it's... to check on me, just to see how I'm going, or just inquire, or, you know, share a memory or something. It's just like, wow. Wow. Yeah. It definitely um, a powerhouse. A powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, that is a painting a rose tinted spectacle. It was actually that, I tell all the time. Yes. Oh no! It was. It was. That was real. That was real. Yes, and I felt that um, just in meeting you guys that first whatever couple of years ago, um, mm-hmm. and and yeah, and it doesn't. It still lives in within you because just having conversations with you, it I can feel it. Like the emotion, it's always, always there. And, you know, and just talking with her and, and and here I am putting in the present tense, damn it. Um, Yeah, it's true. It's, it's true. It makes me think of a photo that I had found that I used to share with her. It was of a man and a woman and they didn't have on any clothing, but you weren't able to see, you know, genitalia. Mm Mm-hmm. So basically, she had her legs wrapped around him. He was bent back to the left. She was bent back to the right. Mm-hmm. The caption reads that he supports them both, but she gives them balance. Mm. And that spoke to the partnership that we had because it was reciprocity on all levels. Yes. I never had to question anything from love to dedication to emotional support, whatever need, it was it was there. Yes. And yes. so... Um, People go their whole life and never experience that. Hmm. People, you know, the love story that she and I shared was what people wrote about. Absolutely. Absolutely. She taught me how to be sentimental. She showed hmm. me that there's genuineness, even in her brokenness, hmm. when I reflect on some of the intimate things that were shared right. and her life experiences. You know, um, you know, both her parents were deceased. Mm-hmm. And two siblings and you know so it's just like wow the capacity to show up and still love through her grief yes you know and just her trauma is just things that you experience just being a woman yeah through life you know and so like just the the ability to 
still show up. It's just like, wow. That's, that shows her power. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, um, and still from the grave, I got a random phone call. Right. <laughs> um, yesterday from, you know, the bank telling me there was an account with some money in there. <laughs> there you go. And I thought that was closed. <laughs> <laughs> and she's still looking out even from the grave, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I um, it's emotion. It's feeling. And, mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, uh, my, my, um, again, sensory overload over here. Um, yeah. So it's just, it's, it's, it's an emotional piece. And you never know. I always say it's quality, not quantity, in the value of an individual. And in that, those moments, they were all quality. Absolutely. All quality. Be, be, so in her death, I know that I tried to put myself to others that have experienced that level of fall. So mm-hmm. be it a child or a parent or a spouse, I'm always extending myself, you know, because it's therapy for me to right. help help you deal with that first bite of grief yes because it's otherworldly it's another kind of pain that can't even be explained sometimes it's difficult to articulate even put into words Mm. and so I want to be there to help those that go through that you know initially because I'm like some folks don't have a support system like I have some people don't have a sounding board Mm -hmm. and it's real easy for something like that the magnitude of it to take you over the edge absolutely and just how we look at mental health yes you know, there's a negative connotation about it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to be, I want to be supportive to people as much as I can. I even thought about being a life coach, if not a therapist. Yeah, why not? Why not? You know, we got, I want to say crackpots out there just pretending to be life coaches and, and you know. You write about that, honey. <laughs> we won't say no names. No. We got pretty famous. Right? And okay. so, um, yeah. Why the hell not? And I, I, you know, it's just one of those things that you, you can do it, and it is mm-hmm. it's not out of the realm of possibility. So, and it's not, and I think I'm just wrestling with it at the moment, trying to decide do I want to, because there is a level of vulnerability that you deal with. Yes. You know, how do you emotionally detach? Yes. And I think that's where I need to figure out how to do that. So that I can be effective to someone. Right. And then you can... when I'm in a good space, I got you. Right. But if I'm grieving and I got a customer, that's not going to work. Right. <laughs> I need to learn how to manage it or dial it back. And sometimes you may not be. It may be that one day could be very overwhelming. And, and with that, maybe, you know, I've been known to cancel yeah. appointments. Like, yeah, I can't do it today. Right, and I gotta figure out what all that looks like, but I'm definitely still open to it because it helps me. Yes, it helps me process the loss of her to know that I can help somebody else. Yeah, and 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 that's that's what it's. That's I think that's what she would have wanted. I think that's when that's part of your living. Mm-hmm. That's part of your yeah. living, and and that's what it looks like for you. Because it's going to look different for each and every one of us that will, will and have experienced um, grief and loss on, on whatever spectrum um, it falls. But um, 
yeah, I, you know, and I thank you for, for sharing those intimate pieces and being transparent. Um, it, it's, oh, you're it's, welcome. Hopefully it helps someone, you know, it's all right. Grief definitely is a journey. Uh, in order to get through it, you have to go through it. It doesn't imply that there's an end. It just implies that movement is what's going to be key in order for survival to happen. And for processing and healing to begin. Yeah. And you have to keep moving. Mm-hmm. You have to keep moving. And, um, yeah. And I, I just... Yeah. I'm just... Uh, I'm an open vessel right now. So all these things are just like (laughs) flowing and um it's just one of those things that you have to just kind of be open to and accept and be in that place of acceptance and ready to um tackle what comes um comes at you and you're at that ready to tackle what comes at you um stage hey some days it's rough but then some days i just know i i i um keep pushing. There was a motto that my friend, my very good friend told me, and she's in the military. She says, Tiff, how do you eat an elephant? And I thought about it, and it was really simple, stupid. <laughs> One bite at a time. One bite at a time. The, the idea isn't to think that you're going to sit down and consume the whole thing at once. Mm-hmm. It's breaking it down into pieces. Yes. So every day, I make an effort to do something. No matter how big or how small, you did something. Effort, yeah. Even if it's just a little emotional work. Yeah. Just something. Just something. Mm-hmm. Just something. I like it. I like it. So everybody go out there and just do something. Something. <laughs> just something. something. Something positive, something forward movement. You know. Yeah. Whatever that looks like. Um like I said, there's no right way to grieve. No. It's just a process. It is a process. And I thank you for sharing part of your process, and um, mm-hmm. I look forward to see what you create. Um, yes, yes, yes. And I can't wait till the page is up and running because I hope you'll be one of my contributors on my poem section and even maybe sure. the blog section, right? Um, yeah, I owe you something today. It'll be there. <laughs> and uh, we just, you know, just keep it going and. As I said, when I started this podcast, I don't know where it's going, what it's doing, or who it's touching, but looking at the analytics of it all, um, it's going somewhere and it's touching someone, and I want to continue to do that, and I want to thank you so much for being um, my sister, my friend, you know. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm honored to speak to me and have me uh, get my experience on subjects yeah you I mean you know we're all experts at something no matter what it is and um you are definitely up there so I I appreciate you wholeheartedly and I I am thankful for meeting you meeting Keena meeting Keena and it's just been it's been real thank you yeah um Jesus, Diana. Um, <laughs> it's been real, so I thank you. And, uh, yeah, I look forward definitely to our future conversations. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, There's going to be more. Yes, definitely going to be more. <laughs>
definitely more. And I definitely thank uh, Tiffany again for being a part of the Soulful family and the Soul Tribe and sharing again a part of her and her story of getting back on a horse after grief. And I appreciate her so much and everything that she shared. And um, yeah, thank you. And for those of you who may be um, experiencing grief, please feel free to reach out. I have many contacts of information that I'll be more than willing to share with you. And uh, if you need anything, just send us an email, dc at the Soulful Eclectic. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, DC Soulful Eclectic. And you can find me on Instagram, the dot soulful eclectic. And I look forward to hearing from you. Have wish you all healing, love, light, and please check on your each other, check in with yourself, and just be at peace. Namaste.